You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hello, everyone. My name is Adam Tarno. Welcome to the Better Man Podcast, and I am joined once again by one of the founding partners of Better Man, Robert Lewis. Robert, how are you today? Well, Adam, I'm doing well. I uh, It's funny, life has been pretty good as far as me personally, Yep. but I think like uh, a lot of Americans, I also carry, if I'm honest, a sense of heaviness with me because of where our country is, uh, the politics of our country, the racial divisions in our country, the the seemingly great divides between groups of people and stuff like that. It, it uh, really made me turn to the scripture. The other day I was reading 1 Timothy 2 and Paul's telling us to pray for those in authority over us. But I like the line he used right after that. He said, pray for those in authority over us so that you might lead a peaceful and tranquil life. And yeah. I go, I think every American yearns for a peaceful and tranquil life. And so I really appreciate the other day, Franklin Graham having the prayer walk uh, from the Washington Monument to the Capitol or the Lincoln Memorial to the Capitol. I can't remember. I think it's Washington Monument. But uh, but just uh, just calling on us as believers to pray for our country because we we have... We have some issues. Things are not, we're talking on well-being today, but yeah. things are not well for our country. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly, and it's all heightened right now, not only the pandemic, but then with the election coming up, and, and people aren't watching sports as much right now, even though they're on. You know, you hear about all the uh, all the ratings for the NFL and the NBA playoffs, they're all down, and everybody just seems to be focused on some of these other really important issues right now. And so, yeah, it can bring about a sense of heaviness. Really interesting you bring up Second Timothy, because I was sitting in church yesterday. You and I are recording this on a Monday. I was sitting in church yesterday, and that's what our pastor was preaching out of. And I and I caught on to that exact same thing in First Timothy that you did, which is the peaceful and tranquil lives. And I, there was just a, like a, a longing in my heart for that, because I don't think that's been our experience here in 2020. No, 2020 is... It's going to go down as one of the strange years of history. Yeah, and I do think I do think even if life is going personally uh, well for people, I think they they can't fully enjoy it because of the condition of our country. That's right. That's right. Okay, well let's uh, let's talk about this topic today because we are, as you mentioned, we're going to talk about well being. You know, and and that question that I first asked you when we started off this podcast, where I just said something that is very common that we say to each other almost every day when we see each other is, "You ask, how are you?" Right? And so uh, when you are asked, "How are you, Robert?" How do you typically answer that question? Uh, like any other typical male, fine. <laughs> That's right. Just those one word, uh, those one word answers. It's quick, it's easy and safe. Yes, that's exactly right. Golly, that's like asking my boys, how was school today? Good. You know, and so, all right, it it, uh, it starts early. It's all of life, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. What's really interesting, if you sit down, though, and think about it, when we ask that question, it's a pretty complex question. I mean, in some ways, what we're really saying, we're just being nice, but if you really unpack it, you're kind of... There's a lot baked into how are you? It's uh, how's your mental health? How are your relationships? How are you doing spiritually? How's your work-life balance? How's your leisure time? Are you having fun? How are you feeling about the future? All of these topics kind of go into that question of how are you? And your answer to that, you could tap into any of those uh, and answer them more. You know, if you wanted to give more than a one-word answer, you could unpack any of those. But all of those topics kind of go together 
and make up our well-being, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. And so this Barna study that we've been referencing over the past few episodes asked men about their well-being, and there were three surprising findings that I want to I, I want to just get your comments on Robert because I think they're pretty interesting and some good things for us to uh, to chat about so the first thing that was brought out by this study was this is that practicing Christians as compared to all uh, US men reported a greater satisfaction in all six areas of well-being and the six areas were mental health friendship spiritual health work-life balance leisure and future. So was that surprising to you to see that, that, that practicing Christians reported higher satisfaction and greater well-being as compared to all U.S. men? You know, honestly, it wasn't, because I think what it shows is the power of faith in a person's life. I mean, one of the things that makes life uh, stable is this simple concept of hope. Yeah. And if you have hope, it adds such an additive to all the other aspects of your life. So if your marriage is out of control or you lost your job uh, or, you know, a friend betrayed you or something like that, if you don't have the God of the universe on your side, then in those moments, you're just left to you. Yeah. It's just all on you. And that can feel really hopeless and that can feel very debilitating. And I think people who don't have faith to back them up when they're, they are the backup, I think it impacts significantly uh, their well-being. And I think the uh, Barna study just simply pointed that out. I think uh, anybody that looks at that Barna study will be in some ways stunned at how much higher the sense of well-being is for people of faith than people of non-faith. There's a real big difference. Yeah, it was. It was a significant difference. And even back to where we started the podcast on a, on a rather sober note, talking about the state of the country and all that's going on in the world and in our culture here locally, even though as followers of Jesus, we can recognize and feel the sense of heaviness, there is also right next to it, that word you just mentioned, which is hope, right? That, that it, we know how, uh, how, the, how the story's going to end, ultimately. We know that Jesus wins, and that can give us a hope in the midst of some really trying circumstances. And I would have to imagine part of that is why practicing Christians are feeling that higher sense of well-being as compared to the to just men in the United States. Yeah, and I, I just think we probably shouldn't run by that too quickly because hope is that powerful. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a pastor, I get, I've seen that over the years when people are suffering from terminal illness and those who have a real abiding, mature faith versus those who maybe have what I call a skinny faith or no faith at all, there's a significant difference in how they face the end. Because for one, it's the end. For another, it's the move towards a new beginning. And that hope alone mm. can change everything in the midst of something that, quite frankly, is awful. That's right. That's right. So what do you think a church leader should do with this information, that uh, practicing Christians are reporting greater satisfaction or greater levels of satisfaction in the areas of well-being compared to U.S. men? What should a church leader do with that? How should they be encouraged by that, or how should that inform their ministry? Well, I think sometimes uh, as pastors, we do not proclaim the um, the benefits of our faith like that, yeah. where we, we actually stand up from the congregation and help the congregation understand there really is a difference in what you're experiencing as people of faith than those around you and just helping them understand that with that kind of clarity. I, I, you know, for instance, 
I like to tell people that uh, even though our world today is moving more and more away from marriage, we have the lowest marriage rates than we've had in the history of our country, and yet the Bible holds up marriage as such a sacred thing, such a thing to pursue, and yet we're running from it. And all the social science tells us that married people are happier and more fulfilled than single people. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that the way American culture is moving today. In fact, marriage in some ways is disparaged. I think uh, with millennials, I think the last survey they took, over 50% of millennials think that marriage is obsolete. And I think what we need to be doing is tying social science, which is so much on the side of Christianity today, and we forget that science is really our friend yeah. as Christians. We need to be helping tie social science to the scriptures to demonstrate that parenting, those who are parents are happier than those who aren't parents. Uh, those who are married, as I said, are happier than those who are single. Uh, those who have faith, it gives them a much greater sense of stability and happiness over their lifetime. Uh, those who have friendships, deep friendships, are happier than those who don't. We're just not connecting those dots as church leaders to give the proof, what I call more than just the proclamation, the proof that the things we're saying really do benefit Americans, and it can be documented through social science. Yeah, it really can be. And it, it's also, some of those things are not uh, also covered by media or in the headlines. You know, th no, those are not no. really the great, those are not, that's not good clickbait right there. Not not to be uh, too negative about that, but those, those kind of reports or studies that come out, they're just not getting the press that some of the other reports and studies are. And so as a church leader, yeah, you're exactly right. You can be encouraged. You can connect these dots. You can use this as some anecdotal evidence or some illustrative evidence as you're going through a sermon or teaching a Bible study to point to some of this other research that's going, listen, we shouldn't be surprised by this. These are biblical principles that the culture is proving out to be true. That that can strengthen your faith. Yeah, I, I would say one of the things I've learned as a pastor, the more I can connect what the Scripture's teaching to real history and real science, our world today kind of honors history, science, those kind of things above everything else. Yeah. And when it can become your friend and reinforce what you're teaching from the Scripture— it's just a big win all the way around. And I think today, uh, I think there are a lot of Christians that think science is the enemy of Christianity. And I would just want to say what I found is just the opposite. Science, more than ever before, is actually the friend of Christianity and backs up so much of what Christianity teaches in terms of relationships and happiness and longevity. Yeah, that's really well said. So what would you say, though, if somebody's driving around right now listening, they are a practicing Christian, they would call themselves a follower of Jesus, and they'll just sit there and go, Adam, Robert, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't doubt that that's what the Barna study found, but that's just not my experience right now. I don't feel like I'm doing well, whether it be mental health or friendships or spiritual health or work-life balance. What would you say to somebody that is not feeling like that's part of their experience? Well, I'd first probably say that uh, check your relationships, mm. because a lot of times people who are feeling that are isolated. Yeah, uh, They're not processing life outside of themselves. They're holding their cards close to their heart and trying to figure it out themselves. And that becomes uh, a kind of a dead end. Yeah. Things, things get more sullen and more pessimistic when you're not processing life with another person. That's why I love what 
Proverbs says, when it says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, or when it says that you're sick, you're to go and confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Life is best lived when it is lived outwardly in the company of others. But if you're alone or processing life alone, um, your well-being is going to uh, decline. There you go. Yeah. Again, we, we mentioned, I feel like we mentioned this proverb all the time, 1320, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm, and just the power that the relationships can have in our life. And so I like that. If, if you're maybe not feeling some of that well-being, that's a great place to start, is to examine some of those core relationships that you have uh, going on in your life right now. Hey, podcast listeners, Adam Tarno here. Before we jump back into my conversation with Robert, wanted to take a moment and let you know how you can get your hands on the Better Man 11-week experience. We know as the fall continues to march forward, more and more churches are starting to slowly open back up after the pandemic. And one of the great ways to kick off your fall ministry season is to host this Better Man 11-week journey. This is a journey that draws men together in a powerful, relational way. It helps them discover the timeless truths of masculinity found in God's Word and modeled through the person and works of Jesus Christ. So as Robert mentioned during our Season 2 preview episode, this resource is now offered free of charge, and it is available right now for you to use live, or if you still want to do things virtually, you can also use it in a virtual small group setting. So when you get back in front of your computer, go to betterman.com betterman.com check out the website on there are so many resources for you to use and you'll get everything that you need to know about how you can bring this experience to your church so once again if you want to bring better man to your church community go to betterman.com that's betterman.com so that's good so that was one i thought uh, interesting aspect of this study of talking about well-being and so let's let's move on here and talk about the second one because this one was surprising to me as well. And so, you know, first finding was that Christians, compared to all men, uh, all U.S. men are experiencing higher levels of satisfaction and well-being. But now if you take the uh, the Christians, I thought this was interesting, that older Christians that are defined as 55 or older reported greater satisfaction in all six areas of well-being as compared to younger Christians. So I was surprised by that, uh, and I guess uh, according to Barna, I'm a younger Christian. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm 45, so I'm a younger Christian. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> There's very few areas right now where I get to call myself young. So uh, so I was a younger Christian. I was a little surprised by that, and I was trying to think about why was I surprised, and I guess I buy some of that cultural uh, idea about just grumpy old men, right, that I just assume that uh, anybody over 55 that's, quote, older— well, they've got to be frustrated and grumpy, right? Because they uh, they see the way the world is headed and all this kind of stuff. So what did you make of this finding? Was that surprising to you? Well, it, it was in part. I mean, the fact that uh, older Christians and older Christian men did report a greater sense of well-being and satisfaction in those areas, uh, it tells me a couple things. One, it's just where young men are today. Yeah. Uh, right now, I, I think I mentioned to you, Adam, I'm taking a couple of groups through our Better Man series. I have uh, 14 guys in one group and actually 12 guys in another group. So every week I get to spend a couple hours with both of those groups. Yeah. And I've just been listening to these younger men and I'm just I, I can feel their exhaustion with the pace that they're living. I mean, most every young man in my group, and when I say young man, these guys are 30 to 40 years old okay. in that range. Yeah. But they've all got uh, uh, pretty intense careers. They've got a couple of kids or more. Yeah. And, uh, and 
they all feel like they're in ground. One guy said, I feel like I'm in Groundhog's Day. Hmm. You know, I get up and it's the same thing. I got to get up. I got to get the kids this way. I got to go to work. I've got this long work day. I've got still got this to-do list with people emailing me, even as I walk in the door at six, seven at night. And I always feel like I'm just catching up yeah. and I'm exhausted. And I think when there's little margin in your life, like these young men ha- have as I'm talking to them, it's 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 hard to feel good about life when you're exhausted. Yeah. I mean, ex- somebody said uh, exhaustion makes cowards of us all. Uh, <laughs> when we're worn out, we just want to retreat. And yep. so our work-life balance is out of whack. We're not getting enough rest. The future just seems like more of the same. Our spiritual health, we don't have time to develop our relationship with God. So everything, all the arrows start pointing downward. I think that's just the generation, the younger generation is so wired to activity and stimulation, more so than any generation in history. I think it's just, it's just not, it's not a healthy culture at at that age level. So I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is just, uh, when you're a little older and after life is worn you out and beating you up a little bit, I think uh, as you get older, you begin, there's something about age that is of value because you're, you have experience Yeah. and experience. You start seeing that some of the things you thought would work out will never work out because they were fantasies. Yeah. They were illusions. So you become more kind of resolved that what is, is, but you also see as you get older, the things that God has said in his word, if you're a Christian, and just the way life works out, it begins to settle out a little bit more. And if you're a person of faith, as this study was pointing out, you settle into the fact that the things God has said are important, not only are really true, but they make you happier. You mm. don't need all that stuff. Yeah. You don't need to live at that pace. You don't need to live without friendships. You need to take time to develop those relationships and your relationship with God. Time kind of teaches you that by beating you up and wearing you out. (laughs) And that's why elders lead the church because they're experienced in those things. That's good. That's in some ways, Robert, I'm hearing you say that and I'm nodding my head. I feel both of those worlds. And I think it's just part of being 45, right? Is that I can start to see some of that where I'm, I'm not the, um, uh, you know, I'm in my mid-40s now. I've got some experience. I'm not quite where uh, where this study would say, you know, the 55 or older, but uh, I, I hear both sides. I understand the pressure that the young men are facing uh, in our culture right now and the pace, and especially with young kids, especially with young kids. And that would be like my one encouragement to church leaders right now is, especially if you are in that older category, 55 or older, just try as hard as you can not to forget how complicated life can be for many well-meaning, devoted followers of Jesus, especially those with young kids. You know, that that age when you have preschool to elementary school-aged kids is non-stop, and um, it's not unique to anybody. It's always been non-stop. And just, remi- just to remind yourself, okay, this can be really, really difficult. This is a difficult season for a lot. Of people, so I can understand and identify with that, but I can also hear what you're saying about hey, sometimes you just can't, you just uh, you go down that road enough times, you just understand there's no life down there, right? Yeah, you finally go, I got it, Lord, I got yeah. it. And yes. you also, when you see the certain things that the Scripture says, and you have struggled for a while, but you actually start applying those things over your life, and they work. 
then there's this confidence. You go, you know, I tried to do it one way. I finally did it God's way. It does work. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of getting older and more experienced with life. And I think that settles you into a better sense of well-being where young people maybe are still trying options out as they're living this kind of frenetic pace. That's right. That's right. So, you know, and one of the observations that I've had recently, so I've got some young kids, elementary school aged kids. And so a lot of the the peer relationships I have, we all have elementary school aged kids. I've noticed something different at this stage in the pandemic right now is I, I am not noticing as much fear of the virus as I am noticing fear of quarantine if you've been exposed to the virus. And again, I think some of that goes back to the complication that can happen for uh, men leading families with young kids is that I am noticing among my peer group, they're like, oh no, I was exposed to COVID. You know what that means? And you're like, oh, that you might get it and you might get sick. And, you know, maybe some of those uh, negative health implications, they're like, no, I have to stay home for 14 days. You know, and yeah. I've got young kids. What am I going to do for 14 days? I've already been through that. They all have PTSD from the <laughs> shutdown, you know, from earlier this spring. And it's yeah. real. I, I think it's real. I mean, we can we can laugh about it a little bit, but as a church leader, it's really good to know that pressure that some yeah. of these young men are, are feeling that are leading families, especially with young kids right now. You know, Adam, I think with that, I mean, that just being able to say that as a church leader or from the pulpit, or from an older man speaking into a younger man, you know, there's 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 something that brings a certain comfort. Yeah, you know that somebody understands where you're at and can state it for you. It's also really helpful for uh, those of us who are a little further along to be able to help speak into that and offer some advice that we know is proven that can give a little relief in the midst of that. Because sometimes, you know, like with my sons, I mean, I got one son who's head of the uh, hospital and emergency room medicine. Wow. Now you can imagine what his life's like. (laughs) Yeah. He's just sipping coffee and talking about, talking about medicine all day, right? They're just sitting around having meetings. (laughs) No, he's busy. And the others just had his fourth child under five years old. And so, uh, and he's in corporate uh, real estate. But I think in all of that, they're living these incredibly fast-paced lives, and sometimes they just need an older person to give them permission to say, you know, it's going to be okay. Take some time off and get a little refreshment, because sometimes they they don't give themselves that permission. That's right. An older person who has a little more authority or a little more respect in their life can, can help just speak into that a little bit. That's so good. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next episode as we talk about relationships and the need for intergenerational relationships. So we'll hit pause on that here and uh, just have a little teaser for the next episode that's going to come out. Um, But yeah, very, very interesting. So older men, by and large, are feeling, older practicing Christian men are feeling higher levels of satisfaction as compared to younger ones. Okay, so so let's talk about this third finding that I thought was really interesting that the, uh, that the, the report found out was this, is that more than one-third of practicing Christian men, so this is 38% of practicing Christian men, report feeling lonely at least occasionally within the past month. And for those that were under 35, I thought this was really interesting, it went up to 55% reported feelings of loneliness at, at least occasionally during the past month. And I think it's worth noting, this study was done pre-COVID. So this was before quarantine, this was before shelter in place, this was before social distancing. 
So what do you make of this finding, Robert? What you just said, so we should expect that what they were feeling is probably uh, percentage-wise has actually gotten higher. Oh, totally. COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I, I was with Dave Kinnaman, the president of Barna, when he first uh, gave a report on the loneliness of Christian men. And he said that uh, Christian men under 35 are probably more lonely than they have ever been in our nation's history. Wow. That loneliness was an epidemic. And uh, then he mentioned, he said, you know, when you're by yourself all the time and you don't have some person you can connect with, that's as far as health, that's uh, kind of equal to smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. And you went, wow. It's crazy. I mean, that's a harsh way of saying it. That's a very uh, maybe uh, harsh picture of what loneliness actually does to the body, but it's debilitating. It really is. But we're, we're in a place where young men are wired to everyone, but connected to no one. Yeah. And as you were saying earlier in this episode about social science backing up some of the uh, the promises and, and uh, the principles that proven to be true from, from God's Word— this is another one that you can go find the social science that backs up exactly what you just said. If, if you were to go to Google right now and just type in uh, epidemic of, I, f- I found this to be very, very interesting. If you go and type epidemic of, it autofills with loneliness, right? So it, that, that is a searched term that is out there a lot. So if you were to so finish that, you know, you go Google epidemic of loneliness, the statistics of what happens to the physical health is just, uh, it's remarkable. And, and it is, I have seen those things. It's yeah. Like you said, the equivalent of smoking two packs of cigarettes a day. And isn't it interesting that, that, uh, the longest study of human life ever done is a still ongoing study at Harvard university, 75 years. Right. It's been going on to study what makes people live longer and live happier. Uh, there's a short YouTube clip of the findings from Dr. Robert Waldinger. He's now the new head of this ongoing uh, adult study. There's a 12-minute segment on YouTube where he kind of summarizes all that they have discovered, but he brings it down and says, "There, I can in one word tell you what will make you live longer and happier, and that is you have close, thriving relationships with other people. Yeah, You have that. You have everything. That's amazing. And yet our world is such that we would rather go look at images on a screen yep. than flesh and blood people we can deeply interact with. And we think just because we've got a lot of emails and stuff like that, that we're busy and we're relationally connected. But no, we're desperately lonely. And this generation, this newer generation, it's even more in the technology. It's not delivering the kind of relationships that are life-giving. That's right. And so church leaders should do what with that? Because I think churches are uniquely positioned to help solve this problem. Well, they need to preach the what the Scripture sits, teaches is they need to preach the power of community and back it up with social science. There you go. And give their congregants ways to connect, especially in small groups, and challenge, I think, and challenge people to get real with one another. I mean, one, that's one of the things with Better Man that we do is we try to bring men together in close community over a period of time and 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 not just learn about information, but to be transformed by deep, meaningful relationships with one another. That's right. And if you have those, what you're really doing, that's much better than even going to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's breeding in your soul these what I call spiritual muscles, 
and relational muscles that are going to give you health for life. That's good. I, I think you just gave everybody an excuse not to exercise, <laughs> right? I tell you, if it came down to sitting with a friend and sharing deeply into one another's lives or going to the gym, I would choose the friends. I really would. There you go. I think I think when I face that, I'm like, well, I just want to stay home and have a second cup of coffee. So I don't think <laughs> you gave me that option. But uh, but no, point taken on that. That is great. And I, w- I would think as a church leader, just not to assume, like people could walk in in huge hordes together, right? Um, as, as churches are starting to open back up, you could have a lot of young adults all walk in together and assume, oh, look, they're all friends. They're all connected. Don't assume they're connected. Don't assume that they're really sharing life together. You may see a bunch of families all walk in together. Don't assume they're connected. Keep preaching this need to be together and, as you said, get real with one another. Yeah, because proximity is not intimacy. There you go. And you you need to know that because intimacy requires opening up my life and somebody opening up their life to me. And as Solomon said in such wisdom in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one. Yeah. Always better than one because life is a team sport. And if you don't have teammates who are soulmates, if all you have is playmates and not soulmates, you're a lonely man. That's right. And that breeds sickness in your life. That's right. Yeah, it may feel good for a little bit just to have something to do on a Friday night, but if there's not that real connection, sooner or later that's going to be found. You're gonna you're gonna feel that lacking in your life. So, Robert, as we close up this episode, I mean, how would you encourage somebody that maybe doesn't feel like they've got a great answer to how are you? Well, if they come up short with the how are you, and they begin to say, sense that they really are in a dark place. I think the answers, it, it's so simple, but it's so profound. And that is, I would seek out a healthy community. Yeah. And uh, that that is where the church is of such value in our secular world. It's a place of healthy community that you can go to. And in that, find people who want to share life together. That's right. I, and I like, you know, somebody shared this with me years ago, that it's okay to not be okay, right? But if things are not okay... It's okay to let people know, right? And, and I and I think for me growing up, there was a sense of if things are not okay right now, uh, hide that until things are okay. And and I think what the church is teaching and uh, what God's word would would encourage us to do is to be authentic, to be vulnerable, to open up, and to let people know. Raise your hand and go. I'm not doing okay right now. Because uh, you're not going to be able to just to will yourself into well-being. A lot of times God works through His Word and the Spirit and through His people. And His people are going to be a major part of you getting to be in a better place of well-being. Yeah, as one social scientist said, uh, transparency is a essential for human thriving. Yeah. If you can't be transparent, if you're closed off, whether you know it or not, you're dying. There you go. Well, Robert, as always, this has been very, very helpful today. As always, great to visit with you. You too, Adam. Hey, everybody. Adam Tarno here. If you like what you heard on the show today, please do us a favor and rate and review the show. That'll help people find us. If you're a church or organization leader interested in bringing the Better Man 11-week event to your community, go to betterman.com for more information. Thank you to Aaron Rose, who mixed and edited today's episode. You can learn more about Aaron at soundofarose.com. This has been the Better Man Podcast. Have a great day.